Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me in an empty capital devoid of people and sunlight. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Rebecca Lewis-Smith, director of Fountain, a digital marketing agency she co-founded in 2009. Rebecca, hello. Hi, Matthew. Thank you for coming on the program today. Um, normally, I'd crack straight on to uh, discussing leadership with you, but uh, in light of what's going on outside of our walls at the moment, uh, we should probably address the COVID-19 situation. How has it affected your um, business? So we are relatively lucky in our business in that we work in digital marketing and a lot of businesses are moving towards the digital sphere while they can't be sort of selling in their shops or um, sort of out and about in person. So we have retained a lot of our clients and we're even winning new work, but it has impacted us quite a bit. So we did have um, a handful of clients who were either in um, leisure or tourism who just weren't able to continue working with us. So we've um, had to take some careful steps to make sure that we are protecting our own business and also um, doing everything we can to support our suppliers and our clients as well, whether or not they're continuing to work with us or needing to effectively pause for a short time. Now, of course, uh, working from home presents its own uh, challenges. Have you found that productivity amongst your staff has gone up or uh, has it gone down? So I think that we're relatively lucky. So we made the decision to move to working from home about a week before the government advised it. And we did that because we sort of could assess that we knew it was coming and we thought we, we were concerned that the work from home decision might come at the same time as closing schools. And we do employ quite a few parents. So we decided to make that decision proactively and get everyone set up and settled in. So we had um, a few days, maybe two or three days of quite a lot of disruption as everyone sort of took a long time to get their desk set up or make sure that all of the tech was working, that kind of thing. But as soon as we've done that, I think actually productivity has remained really similar to how it was before. And again, I say that we're lucky because we are in a digital industry. So all of our tools are accessible from, from anywhere, really. Well, of course, uh, there is no commuting. Uh, so, of course, people have more time to spend at their desks working. Uh, do you feel that this is a way that business could be going in the future, more working from home, less working in offices? You know, it's funny. I've had this conversation a lot and I've partly had this conversation because we're in the process of looking at a new office space or we were um, just before. we were. I think we had a meeting to sign the lease like last week. So obviously that all went on hold. Um, and this question of do we still need a new office to, to meet our, our growth um, that we've had over recent months? Do we still need to have that extra space? And I personally feel that as a leader of a business that really focuses on culture, so our organizational culture is key to how we work. And I feel that not offering the space for people to come and work um, would be problematic. If, I think of our team, a few of them are happily working from home. Quite a few are sort of really missing each other. And then, of course, we have the parents who I'm the parent myself and uh, dealing with the challenges of full-time parenting all day, every day, alongside the virus has um, centered us. I think there are quite a few people who are struggling with that um, and actually who would really benefit from being able to get out of the home environment and into the office. So as this, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I think, you know, is the office obsolete now? And I think from our point of view, we, we would be very sad to not be joining each other every day and working in person alongside each other. 
Of course, it's so important to have that human-human interaction. That's why we've seen such a, a rise in, in uh, various um, video uh, virtual meeting uh, platforms being used by people outside of the work hours as well. Uh, talking uh, to your colleagues uh, beyond uh, the time that one would normally have gone home has seemed to have become the norm over the last few weeks. Um, it is a re- rather interesting phenomenon, uh, but we must move on to uh, the subject of leadership. Um, it's a subject I always like to begin discussing by asking a very simple question, which is, what does the word leader mean to you? The word leader, for me, means someone who plays the role of bringing the best out in people. Right. Um, I think that that is the case, whether it's on a football field or whether it's in an office building or if it's in a classroom. I think the person who uh, takes on that responsibility of bringing the best out in others rather than only focusing on their own performance. And how do you bring the best out of your staff? So at Fountain, we have, uh, we're a relatively top-heavy business. There are four of us who co-founded the business. So each of the four of us, I would say, demonstrates a very different type of leadership. And so my personal approach to leadership is very much empathetic. It's very collaborative. Um, I recognize I'm good at bringing the best out of people because I can see from their point of view. And so, therefore, I'm able to um, engage with them in what is important to them as I help them to recognize what is the most important thing for their job at that time. Do you believe that it's important to make sure that your staff are stakeholders rather than just staff? Absolutely. I believe that keeping a, the the approach that we've taken at Fountain is very much about building a community. And um, we had a lovely experience recently that our, one of our team members wrote a really, really lovely post. um, I believe he put it up on LinkedIn about his experience of going into the, COVID-19 challenges and that actually the community of our business has helped support him to feel a lot less anxious. Um, and I loved reading that because it just gave me uh, reassurance that this is a, that we're on the right path um, and sort of supporting our team members through a difficult time. But even when we're not in sort of extreme moments of extreme pressure, um, that approach of saying that here we are, a community of people who will work together and bring each other along um, remaining sort of focused in the same direction alongside each other. Um, that's hugely what's important about our, our business. Now, of course, leadership doesn't come out of thin air. It has to be produced somewhere. So let's go back to the very beginning of your career when you first started out your working life. Were there any particular individuals um, who shaped the way you became? So I feel very lucky that we've had mentors along the way that I or that I've had mentors and then we as a business have had um, or as a, a team of directors have had mentors along the way. So there are a lot of people who have shaped and um, supported my leadership. I think there were also, for me, a lot of my experience of where leadership came from also came from seeing people not doing it very well. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, situations where a great leader into something absolutely amazing and instead it sort of fizzled into into nothing. So I feel quite uh, great working in those slightly toxic environments or those spaces that just never became, they never lived up to their full potential. Um, and then alongside that to have people who, you know, right when we first started Fountain, there was a, um, 
printer who I asked if we were sort of starting some copywriting work and I asked him if he um, would give us advice about setting up a business and he and his wife took me and my partner out for dinner and since then you know he checked in on us he gave us such good advice he um, consistently would sort of make sure that he knew how our business was doing so that he could support us in any way he could and then in turn I do that for other businesses and all and all four of us as directors do that we have people that we mentor and support as well. Now, mentorship is is absolutely key to uh, making sure the next generation of emerging leaders comes out in a in a, in a rather successful way. What is the first piece of advice that you'd offer to uh, a young person looking to become a leader in the future? I think the first thing that I would say is find the way of leading that suits you and that is uh, is true to how you are, true to your values. So there are so many different types of leadership um, and I see that you know from ca- incredibly charismatic driven leadership through to my own style of more empathetic leadership um, from being very uh, directional in terms of um, imposing decisions on people I think this, as you are on a journey to becoming a leader finding the way that is really true to how you are and how you work rather than pretending to be something that you're not. I think a lot of, um, especially young leaders or young people going into leadership feel like they have to perform a certain style of leadership. Um, and I definitely felt on my journey that the moment that I realized that I could that I could bring all of me to leadership, and that is about being sometimes vulnerable, always open, um, honest as much as possible, that it actually, that that's my way of bringing the best out in people because then they meet me in that openness, that honesty and um, that desire to do a really good job. Um, so yeah, I think it's way of approaching leadership really is true to how, um, to how you are in the world. Unfortunately, our time together has drawn to its close, but before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Fountain? Um, I would have answered that question very differently before the sure. uh, coronavirus crisis. So I think at the moment we are, you know, we have some really exciting growth plans, um, and we we have a rebrand coming up, which I'm very excited about. And we were, as I say, about to move into some um, amazing new office space and looking for some quite um, ambitious growth. But at the moment, we're just uh, waiting to see what the next few months bring and how quickly the economy recovers from this as well. With very excited that we'll be just absolutely fine to get through the the next few months. Um, and then it will be about whether or not we have to adapt our business plan heavily um, due to the wider economic circumstances or whether we can get back to those growth plans just a few months delayed. We'll, we'll, the jury is out on that. <laughs> well, Rebecca, I hope you can come back onto the program in the future and update us on how things are going at Fountain. And it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. Rebecca, thank you. And thank you. That was Rebecca Lewis-Smith, Director of Fountain. And now, if you haven't heard it before, it's Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on today. uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar 
um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't. And, um, yes, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where. Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you, you're very... Fortunate, I think you, you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and uh, a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course a, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at. West Ham uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players, and of course they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably. Well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with the, the captain. Um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier he played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a 
many of the car dealerships. You could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And, um, uh, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially thing I say about South Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing. In, in the team, but uh, in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, 
only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gas shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out, mm. out. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about it, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's—I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal and I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now, but it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. 
and there was the usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him, so I said, "I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said?" So the chap had the mic, and he said, "When a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless?" Right. <laughs> What a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then I, again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, a laugh that day. If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but have I, to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with... Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. 
And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, well, the, the answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me: the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. The wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team, the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes, you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-minded, 
single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. It, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, wait, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you completely focus, you're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go with the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.